Hey, this is Pastor Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. While you're on your phone, why don't you follow us on social media, at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. We want to stay connected with you throughout your week. Our prayer is that this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus. So without further ado, here's the message. Well, good morning, 10 o'clock service. How are you? Good morning, man. First, let me just say how thankful I am for this opportunity. And I'm very thankful for a lead pastor like Craig who invests in young people like uh, Matt Seja and I to allow us to come up here and preach and to, to use our gifts and for us to dream and learn and grow. Uh, just so you know, this, this is my dream. In 10, 20 years, I don't know what God has for me, but I'm trusting his plan. And this is just uh, a part of the process that I'm very thankful for that Craig allows us to do. And thank you for allowing me to the, the privilege of speaking in front of you today. Thank you very much. But, man, today we are continuing in our Cannonball series, uh, the story of Elisha, talking about what does it mean to live a life that is just all in with God. And today we're talking about not giving up. Well, there's a famous saying that desperate people in desperate situations do desperate things. And one desperate boy from Toronto, Canada, wrote a letter to his favorite actress. Her name was Carol Burnett. He was a very young boy. uh, And the actress smiled as she read the letter. This is what it said. Dear Carol Burnett, your TV show is very funny. I watch almost every episode. I do impressions that make my family laugh. I'm 10 years old, but I'm ready to work. Times are tough, and I need to get a job to help out my family. (laughs) I think you need an impressionist for your show. So I'd like to apply. Please let me know if you will hire me for that or any other position. I help clean and take out the trash at home. Doubt it, he's 10 years old, come on. So if you need stuff like that done, I can do it. Well, as the youngest of four, attention was very hard to come by for this boy. And so what he did to get his parents' attention and his siblings' attention was he would do impressions of their favorite TV characters, and they would always go over super, super well. Well, one day his father got laid off from his job as an accountant, and the family went uh, from middle class to being on the verge of poverty. It was a very tough time, and tension in the family was at an all-time high. It was one of those situations that you just didn't talk about at the dinner table or anywhere else. Ever have those family situations? Like, let's just, let's just not talk about it at all. Well, the boy decided he was going to fix things. He was, I, I, can, I can fix this situation. And so his idea, I'm going to do an impression of the boss that fired my dad. And so he goes to the dinner table one night. He stuffs a pillow under his shirt and uh, grabs an old briefcase from his father's closet and he walks down there and he just yells loudly, you're fired. And he got no reaction. It was super awkward. It was too soon. Uh, nobody laughed. And man, this made the boy so angry. He went upstairs and just threw a hissy fit. And oh, he was so angry and disappointed. He's like, I can't make anybody laugh. I quit. 
I quit. I'm not going to do impressions anymore. I'm done trying to be funny. Well, then he saw there was a letter addressed to him on his bed. So he goes over to the letter. He opens it. And as he reads it, the last line just sends shivers up his spine. This is what it says. Don't ever stop performing or making people laugh. Sincerely, Carol Burnett. He wiped tears from his eyes and he vowed never to quit. He would always keep chasing his dream. Well, things went from bad to worse for his family. He got a job as a janitor when he was 11 years old to help support his family. And he got paid under the table because that was illegal. And years passed and when the boy became a teenager, he had to make a decision. Was he gonna go to school and spend all this money on school or was he gonna keep working and making money for his family? Well, he decided to keep working and making money, but he, he longed for something better. He, he still had a dream of doing impressions. That was, that was what he wanted to do. It's what he felt like his purpose was. And man, at nights he would sit and watch David Letterman and Richard Pryor and Robin Williams and he would say, I can do that. That's, that's supposed to be me. And his favorite show of all, The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson, uh, man, he would imagine himself doing impressions and then Johnny complimenting him and he would play these pretend scenarios out. And despair, anxiety, anger, and desperation just pulsed through this boy's body at all times because he worked so hard to keep his family's spirits up, but he missed something for himself. He missed performing and he dreamed of a better life. So when he was 17, he took a shot. He moved to LA and he rented somebody's walk-in closet to live in. He said, I know you got your shirts lining up there, but I'll just sleep right under the shirts. I don't know how that worked, but it must have been a big walk-in closet. But that's what, he, that's what he did, he moved to LA. And some nights he felt good, some nights were really, really hard. As it, as you, as you might know. And then finally, after years of living in LA, offers started to come in. He started to act in some low-budget movies and started to make a name for himself at different comedy shows uh, around the city. And uh, with his newfound cash, he made more money in a month than his entire family made in a year. And so eventually, in 1983, he was able to, to buy his own place and move his family out to LA with him. And then in the same year, uh, his, he achieved his dream, an appearance on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. It was all a dream come true until there was one more thing he couldn't fix. Shortly after his mother passed away, he didn't know if he was gonna keep performing. He didn't know if he should keep chasing his dream or if that was a sign that, man, I'm done. I have no motivation anymore. My mom was the reason I, I acted. She was the reason I worked so hard. But you know what? He just kept chasing his dream. And in 1994, the boy's career took off. He was given the star role in an obscure yet slightly larger budget movie, you may have heard of it, called The Mask. Then came another offer to co-star in a movie about two dumb guys. <laughs> may have heard of it, Dumb and Dumber. It's, it's, a, it's a very meaningful movie if you haven't seen it. <laughs> the paycheck, $10 million. The boy who once had a hard time making his family laugh 
was now being paid millions of dollars to make the world laugh. And he, one day, he went in his closet and he pulled out this old check he had written himself years ago when he was playing pretend and his signature was barely visible on the check. Here it was, Jim Carrey. This is the true story of Jim Carrey, one of my favorite actors of all time. And reporters asked him once, hey, like what, what's the overall moral of your life story? What do you want people to take away and learn from your experience? And this is what he said. Desperation is a necessary ingredient to learning anything or creating anything, period. If you ain't desperate at some point, you ain't interesting. Have you ever felt desperate? Have you ever wondered how in the world you're gonna get through a tough situation? How will you get past that breakup? How will you overcome that painful divorce? How will you move on from getting fired at your job? How will you get through being diagnosed with some sickness? Or how will you fix your family's relational struggles? Or how will you make more money to support your kids and your family's dreams? How will you persevere through the daily challenges life presents? I tell you what, sometimes it feels like we get stuck in this endless cycle of a good season, always, always followed by a bad one. Well, let this be an encouragement to you this morning. Even kings can find themselves desperate and stuck at some point in their life. If you open up your Bibles to 2 Kings 3, that's where we're reading today uh, in 2 Kings 3. Let me set the scene for you. There's a king named Mesha, kind of a cool name. He's king of a land called Moab. So the two M's go together, Mesha and Moab. And he owed the king of Israel, whose name was Jehoram, he owed him a ton of sheep and wool from rams, but he refused to pay it. He said, I'm not gonna pay it. And in doing so, that was an act of rebellion against the nation of Israel. And so Jehoram was not happy. And so he gathered some of his friends, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, who we've learned about before, and the unnamed king of Edom. And together, these three kings set out against Moab against Mesha and his Moabites, and they traveled through the desert of Edom, and they marched seven days until they ran out of water, which is a pretty bad situation when you're in the middle of the desert, I think. I've never been there, but I think that's pretty bad. And so they have no water for themselves, no water for the animals carrying their baggage, and they just don't know how they're gonna make it through. They don't know. Well, that's where we pick up in verse 10 in 2 Kings 3. Let's read it together. It'll be on the screens. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. There's Elisha. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, sass alert coming up. Elisha is a little sassy. If you couldn't tell by the bald story last week, Elisha's a little sassy. Here we go. Why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. 
No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, Sassalert, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now bring me a harpist. That's an interesting passage of scripture. But there's one phrase that gets repeated twice in this passage, and I bet you can relate to it. The king of Israel questions God. He says twice, has the Lord put us here just to get destroyed? As soon as he finds himself in trouble, at the very first glimpse of something difficult, his first thought is that the Lord has turned against him. Man, how often do we do that ourselves? When something hard shows up in our life, when, oh no, that's, that's difficult, I didn't want it to go that way. Oh, how we fall into despair and our faith begins to wane and our hearts sink. We ask ourselves, is God really for me? Well, it's, if, it's as if these kings had completely forgotten what God had done for them in the not so distant past. So 450 years before this moment in the desert, God led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. He delivers them from slavery and he leads them to this, this place called Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, he speaks his favor over them and he establishes a covenant relationship with them, almost like a marriage with the nation of Israel. He calls Israel his chosen nation. In Exodus 19.5, God tells them, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. And then in the very next sentence, God says, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. At the first glimpse of trouble, Jehoram forgets this whole story. He forgets who has been with him and his nation the whole time. Not only did God have this history with Israel, this is what he had spoken directly to them. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do you ever think God looks at us in our moments of desperation and despair and says, don't you know how faithful I am? Don't you know how faithful I've been? Just trust me. After not being able to make his parents laugh as a young boy, Jim Carrey felt a similar kind of doubt. But do you remember what made him keep going? It was a letter from Carol Burnett that reminded him of his purpose and his calling and encouraged him, stick with it, don't give up. Lesson one of desperation and despair. Remember that God is faithful. It's crazy how hard times make us forget how faithful God has been to this point so far. There's a reason we sing, great is thy faithfulness. You are where you are for a reason, with a purpose, and the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Even Jesus himself 
uh, was stuck in a desert for 40 days and 40 nights, right before he started his ministry, right before he goes and calls the disciples, right before he goes and teaches hundreds and hundreds of people, he was stuck in a desert, but God was with him. So whatever desert you find yourself in, I mean, the Lord knows it's hard. It's a legit desert. It's a dry place. But he has you there to shape you and prepare you for the ministry that's to come. He's getting you ready in your dry place for the harvest that's to come in due season. Some of you need to hear this this morning. What you're going through won't be wasted. God will use it if you just don't give up. And the one who calls you to a place is faithful to be with you in and through that place. Now, running out of water in the middle of the desert, that's a pretty stinky scenario. That, that's bad. That's bad. That, that's life or death. That's, you don't know how you're going to get through that. But the kings did the right thing in seeking out God's counsel for their specific situation. And let me ask you this. How do you think this story is going to end? Knowing who God is, how do you think the story will end? Well, let's pick back up with the message translation. Remember, Elisha is about to tell the kings what God tells them to do as they're stuck in this desert with no water. He then said, God's word, dig ditches all over this valley. Oh boy. Here's what will happen. You won't hear the wind. You won't see the rain. But this valley is going to fill up with water and your army and your animals will drink their fill. Now, last service I had to stop there. It's not my notes. But you ever read scripture and like one phrase just sticks out to you randomly? You won't hear the wind. You won't see the rain. So here's my little tangent today. Sometimes God's presence in your life, the way he's working and the way he's moving, the way he's blessing you in the middle of your desert, you won't see it, you won't hear it, you won't recognize it, but know that God is working. You won't hear the wind, you won't see the rain, but God is moving. Just trust that he's moving. Okay, sorry, I gotta gotta focus. This is easy for God to do. He will also hand over Moab to you. You will, here we go, ravage the country, knock out its fortifications, clear cut the orchards, clog the springs, and litter the cultivated fields with stones. In the morning, it was at the hour of morning sacrifice, the water had arrived. Water pouring in from the west from Edom, a flash flood filling the valley with water. Man. Did you catch God's original advice for the kings? Dig ditches all over this valley. Okay, I'm no scientist, but I I don't understand how digging a ditch would would lead to to more water for me. So, you know, just go with me here. Sometimes I like to imagine... uh, what, what happens in between certain moments of, the, of Scripture. I like to throw my own commentary in there because I'm human, they're human, I know what it's like to be human, and this is what I imagine the king said to each other. So God says, dig ditches all over this valley. I imagine them looking over the valley saying, man, there's no way. Like, look, we're in the middle of a desert. How is digging ditches gonna help? Why can't we just pray 
Why can't we just sing a worship song or two? Why can't we just listen to 10 minutes of that Christian podcast? Why can't we just serve in kids ministry once a month? Why can't I just smile at the grocery store clerk whenever they check me out? Why can't I just put a Jesus fish on the back of my car and call it a day? But how often do we have that mentality? Why can't it be easy? I, I really want to see God get me out of this situation I'm in. I really want to see God's faithfulness show up in my life. But I'm not willing to go too far to allow him room to move. I think we know what we have to do to see God's faithfulness. But the truth is, it requires some work. It requires a major change of heart. It requires repentance. It requires obedience and steadfast faith. It requires complete surrender, denial of self and selfish ambition. But sometimes we refuse to do it because it's hard work. Like digging ditches, being a follower of Jesus is hard work. Like digging ditches, being a follower of Jesus is done by faith and not by sight. Like digging ditches, being a follower of Jesus means not accepting the present state of my dryness and despair. There is something better out there for me. I just have to keep being faithful. Like digging ditches, the work of being a follower of Jesus will be criticized and doubted. Imagine the king telling their army, hey, to get water, we have to dig ditches. Man, you don't think the army was like, uh, you crazy, bro. Like digging ditches, the work of being a follower of Jesus is purposely used by God to bless us beyond all reasonable expectation. And we'll get into that. But lesson two of desperation and despair, trust what God tells you to do even when it's hard. Followers of Jesus are called to obey no matter the cost. We have to come to terms with the fact that following Jesus is hard work. Dig that ditch and don't look back. Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 9, 62, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Dig that ditch and don't look back. Let's read how God moves in response to an act of obedience. I think you already know how the story's gonna end. Let's read it. Now all the Moabites had heard that the kings had come to fight against them. So every man, young and old, who could bear arms was called up and stationed on the border. When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. To the Moabites across the way, the water looked red like blood. Uh-oh. That's blood, they said. Those kings must have fought and slaughtered each other. Now to the plunder Moab. But when the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and fought them until they fled. And the Israelites invaded the land and slaughtered the Moabites. They destroyed the towns and each man threw a stone on every good field until it was covered. And so God provided. The day before, the Israelites didn't even know if they would have enough water to last the trip. And now they had a flash flood of water, valleys of water. And they had already slaughtered the enemy because the enemy came right to them. 
Lesson three of desperation and despair. God can take your desperation and despair and use it not only for your good, but also the enemy's destruction. In the same miracle, the same act of deliverance, God supplies the need and then uses it to defeat the enemy. We sing a song in here every once in a while. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. This is the story that comes from. Man, when you dig that ditch, when you do the work God requires of you, you get to look at the enemy right in the face and say, Genesis 50, 20. This is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God can flip your script if you're faithful to the work that he requires. He can turn your despair into joy, your desperation into fulfillment, and your agony into hope. In this moment with the kings in the desert, it's really a foreshadowing of what Jesus would accomplish on the cross. You see, these kings looked at the desert and they wondered if this desert was what was gonna bring them death and destruction, but God used it to bring them victory and some H2O. In the same way, Jesus looked at the cross and he said, you intended to kill me, but now you are the reason all who believe in me will have eternal life. Man, God can flip your script. Devil, you try to keep me in desperation and despair. You try to make me doubt the goodness of God. You cause my mind to panic and forget his great faithfulness. But I know what I have to do. I have to keep digging. I have to keep following Jesus, even when it's hard. I will obey when it makes no sense. I will trust when I don't want to. I will surrender even though I desperately want control. God, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you use it for my good. I'll tell you what, don't just listen to me telling you what to do in desperation and despair. Don't, don't just take it from scripture. There's a famous theologian I want to introduce you to. Her name is Dory and she's a character in Finding Nemo, a, a little cartoon fish who I think says it best. Let's, let's watch this little clip. Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills. When life gets you down, you know what you gotta do? I don't wanna know what you gotta do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Dory, no singing. Ha, 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 ha. Dory. I love to swim. And Dory. When you want to swim, you want See, to See, I'm gonna get stuck fun. now with that song. Now it's in my head. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Just keep digging, just keep digging. Friends, you are not stuck. You are not lost. If you're not dead, God's not done. As you're digging, as you're, as you're starting to shift something in your life and direct it toward God, when you start to make moves in your life and, and start to depend more upon him, when you decide to keep following Jesus even when it's hard, God will bless that. God will honor the ditch you dig. Maybe not in your timeline, maybe not with your expectation, but God will bless your ditch digging as you allow him room to move. 
Did you catch everything in that passage of scripture God did for the Israelite army? He didn't just give them some water. He filled the valley with a flash flood of water. That's how our God is. He also helped them ravage the Moab country, knock out its fortifications, level the key villages, clear cut the orchards, clog the springs, and litter the cultivated fields with stones. Come on, God will bless you beyond all reasonable expectation as you follow him. If you just don't give up, just keep digging. In due season, there's a harvest waiting for you. It's okay if you're in a bad place right now because you know how the story ends. You know how the story ends. Remember that he who has called you is faithful. Trust what God tells you to do even when it's hard and know that God can take what the enemy means for evil in your life and use it for your good. Desperation and despair, they are just tools God uses to pull us closer and closer to him. So in the middle of your desert, I challenge you, just keep digging. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in to FC Radio. Hope that message encouraged you to love, live, and lead like Jesus, to become a disciple that makes more disciples. That is why Fern Creek Christian Church exists in the first place. That is what we seek to do every single day, to love, live, and lead like Jesus, and to be disciples that is committed to Christ's mission, to making more disciples, to growing the kingdom of God. Man, we would love to connect with you. If you go on our website, www.ferncreekcc.org, You can fill out what's called a Fern Creek and Five card. It's just a form that asks you questions and helps us to get to know exactly who we're ministering to as a church. Once again, follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. We're posting things all the time to encourage you and inspire you to follow Jesus throughout your week. Well, if you would like to worship with us in person, I want to invite you to do so on Sunday mornings. We have three services, a homecoming service featuring more Southern gospel music and hymns at 845. Then we have two contemporary services at 10 and 1115. If you would like to give to support the ministry we're doing online and in our community, I want you to go to our website, www.ferncreekcc.org, or download our app on the App Store. There you'll be able to find big giving tabs that'll walk you through easy ways to give to our ministry. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us today here on FC Radio. Know that there is a church located in Louisville, Kentucky, praying for you dedicated to equipping you to become a disciple that makes more disciples by loving, living, and leading like Jesus. Grace, peace, see you next week.